Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Um, last, uh, last summer, my wife and I took a trip um, for vacation that required a, a, a layover, a stopover in Philadelphia. And we had allowed plenty of time. It was an hour and a half layover, which should be plenty, except that when we got on the plane in, at SFO, um, everybody boarded up on the plane, and then they came over the loudspeaker, and they said, um, we were having a problem with our communications gear, and um, we're going to be delayed, and, which always kind of makes you nervous when you're already sitting on the plane, and they're saying, we got to fix something. You know, that just kind of makes you a little bit nervous. Um, so there's going to be a little bit of a delay. We expect to be able to push off in about 45 minutes. So we sit on the plane, and they get the part, and they do whatever. Anyway, so about 45, maybe 50 minutes later, we finally push back. We finally get up there. Um, and so, you know, I'm getting a little bit nervous because I'm looking at my watch and I know that hour and a half layover over has now kind of reduced down to about 20 minutes. Um, so by the time we land, that's about what we have. We're actually closer to 15 minutes. The problem is that the gate that our plane came in on was all the way at that end of the concourse. And the plane that we had to catch, of course, was at the opposite end of the concourse. And so for the first time ever in my life, I was running through an airport. And I've never done that before. It's not fun. I'm just telling you. And I'm running. And of course, my wife is in heels because she's always in heels. Um, Not true. Almost, though. Anyway, um, so we're running through the airport and and I'm trying to be a good husband. I'm trying to, you know, be patient with her, but I'm looking at my watch, and I know we got to get down here, and so I'm kind of running, but not running, and running, but not running, and she's kind of trying to keep up, and she's getting, you know, all just, and I'm just, uh, and then we're about three or four gates away from our gate, and we hear over the loudspeaker, over the intercom, this is the final boarding call for flight, whatever that number was, we are now closing the doors, and I'm like still three gates away, I turn around, I look back at Betty, she says, run, <laughs> so I sprinted, all the way down, I ran at the gate. We're here, we're here, here. My wife's right behind me. We're, really, we're here, we're here, we're here. So we, we actually, we got on the plane. It worked out great for her. She ended up in first class. I, however, ended up in coach. <laughs> she did come back and visit me. She told me what she had for dinner. Asked what I had, and I, I held up my little bottle of wine. I said, this is what I, no. No. Um, she did, actually did come back and visit me, and then, then the uh, flight attendant told her, you can't go back behind the curtain. <laughs> you don't want to associate with riffraff back there. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, first time ever in my life, I've actually had to run, I mean run through an airport, and it is not fun, and some of you maybe have done that. And as much as running through an airport is not fun, when it comes to living your life, that's even worse. And many of us tend to live our lives at that pace, at that, at that speed. And, um, and, and, and the problem is, because of all that, um, we are filling up our lives with so much that we are not enjoying much of what we're doing. Because there's no margin. We needed margin. We had an hour and a half margin in our time schedule and we needed every single second of it but if we had not had that margin we would have been in worse trouble and many of us live our lives without any margin in our schedule we've got no reserves we've got no space and so we're constantly running at this pace that is always behind here's some here's some indicators that this might be your problem 
Um, if you find yourself constantly running behind schedule, if you find yourself always arriving 10 to 15 minutes late, like to church on Sunday morning, no, I'm, <laughs> if just in general, okay? If you, and, and here's what you do. I know because I know some of you. What you do is you, you get on your phone and you call ahead to that appointment or whatever it is and say, I'm going to be, you know, and here's what you do. You're really like still in Walnut Creek, but what you say is, I'm almost to the bridge. I'll be there in about 10 minutes, knowing full well it's going to be 20, but you just bought yourself 10, all right? Okay, ever, anybody? Ever, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but uh, okay? That's, that's marginless schedule, okay? If you find yourself at work thinking about what you ought to be doing back at home, and then you're at home and you're thinking about what you need to be doing back at work, that's marginless schedule. That's marginlessness in your time. Um, if, if your car is filled with fast food wrappers and there's even french fries stuck in the cracks of the seats because you don't have the time to clean your car okay those are all indicators of marginless living marginlessness in your time and in your schedule and and if that doesn't relate to you at all i am so happy for you and this message today is still going to be helpful but it's going to it's going to help you keep from getting into that and if that is your schedule right now what we're going to be talking about is margin with your time margin in your schedule and i said this last week but it really bears repeating the more benefit the you're going to get the utmost benefit of this whole series if you are a part of a community group. Because what we do in a community group is we take what we talked about on Sunday and we talk about it in groups of 12 to 14 people. And in there, you're going to get some help from other people, a support network to help you make some of the changes that we're talking about making. And if you're not a part of a community group, this will be helpful, but it's really going to be more helpful if you're a part of a community group. So if you are not a part of a community group, at least for the next five weeks, I would encourage you, connect in one of our community groups. You can do that at the table in the lobby. You can do that on your connection card. Just let us know. We will get you into a group this week, but you're going to get maximum benefit. Secondly, if you missed last week's message, go back, listen to the podcast, go online, watch the, po- watch the uh, video cast, whatever, because it, it, we're going to build on it each week. We're talking each week about this idea of margin in different areas of our lives. And so it, one builds on the other. So go back and do that. The last thing I would encourage you to do is... Um, Inside your program, we've got some of these cards. We've got all the upcoming events and things that are happening, but particularly is the one here just about margin. This week, you may have had people talking about their New Year's resolutions or making some changes in their lives, or someone might this week tell you about, you know, man, I just, I, I, I wanted to make these changes, but I just seem to be falling back into the old habits and everything. You can tell them, hey, listen, our church is talking about exactly that kind of a thing. You might find this helpful and use that card as an invitation. And bring some along with you, okay? So with all of that, let me kind of get back into um, what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about margin in your life. And I, want to get, I gave you a definition last week of margin, that it is the, the space between your load and your limits. Now, I want to clarify that or, or focus today a little bit on this idea of margin with your time or margin in your schedule. And I want to give you a little bit a clearer definition. It is the space between your current pace of life and your limits, Okay, so if your current pace of life is pushing or extending or beyond the limit, okay, you've, you don't have any margin. Because margin is the space between your current pace of life and your limits. And we are all limited when it comes to time. There are still only 24 hours in the day, 
only seven days in the week, and on and on and on, okay? So that's what we're going to look at today. If you want to follow along with me, we're going to be reading from a very familiar passage of Scripture. In fact, if you are a baby boomer, you probably know this passage of Scripture um, without even reading it. You probably even know how the song goes, okay? Uh, it's Ecclesiastes chapter 3. In fact, just, just for us old baby boomers here kind of reminiscing, I'm going to read, I'll do the first verse of the King James Version because there's a response part. It's like one word, but you know what the word is, okay? And you repeat it three times. It starts like this, for everything. Yes, yes, you know it, okay? You probably didn't know that was in the Bible. That was not written by Roger McGuinn and the birds. That was actually comes right from... You ought to read your Bible. There's some good stuff in here, okay? So um, I'm going to give you the New International Version this morning, okay? Uh, Ecclesiastes 3, beginning of verse 1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time for love, and a time for hate, a time for war, and a time for peace." What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. And I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. God does this so that people will fear him. Now, if I could give you the big idea of what he's saying just in all of that, it is simply this. Your time is your life. Your time is your life. Okay? And as your time goes, so goes your life. As your schedule goes, so goes your life. And a marginless schedule, marginlessness in your time will lead to a marginless life. And so it's one of the key things when we're talking about margin is finding and creating and discovering and carving out, if you will, margin in your time, margin in your schedule. So that's what we're going to look at. And there's a couple of things here. I want to start with this idea. First off, you've got to recognize that life has a rhythm. There is a rhythm to your life. There is a rhythm to my life. This is what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. He said, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. In other words, you can't do everything. And even what you can do, you can't do all the time. There is a time and a purpose and a season for every activity under the heavens. You can't do everything. You've got a limited amount of time. You've got a limited amount of activity. And, and so you can't do everything. And even what you can do, you can't do all the time. Even those of you who pride yourself on being a multitasker, and you can do three, four, five things at a time, you know deep down in your heart of hearts 
that nothing that you are doing when you are multitasking is getting your full attention and it is not getting your best effort. Multitasking is a myth, okay? Because you can only do so much. You have a limited amount of time and a little amount of energy. And so what he says is understanding that there is this rhythm and that rhythm runs all through creation. We, we have seasons. We have spring and summer and, and fall and winter. And in those seasons, it, it, it's, it's the seasons of growth. There is, there is planting and then, there it, then it sprouts and then it comes to maturity and then there is harvest and then it lays fallow. There is this rhythm. There is this rhythm. It goes on and on and on. The tides roll in and the tide rolls out. The sun rises, the sun sets. It's a rhythm. It's, it, it, it's put there by God's creation. The moon rotates around the earth. The earth rotates around the sun and so on and so on and so on. And it creates this rhythm. And God is the one who created all that. If you read the creation story, even if you are not a literal creationist, okay, there is this rhythm about the story. You read God's work in creation, and, and at the end of the first section of creation, it says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. And then the next day, there's creation. And then there was evening and there was morning the second day. And there was evening and morning the third day. And it goes on and on to the sixth day. And it says, and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. There's a rhythm there. You, you just sense the rhythm in the poetry of the story. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Now, God did not rest because he was tired and worn out. God didn't come to the end of the sixth day and go, that took everything out of me. I got to take a day off, okay? That's not why God rested. God rested because the work was completed. And what he was doing was he was establishing a rhythm for you and for me. It's a rhythm that he created into his creation. It's not because he was worn out and he was tired. He was establishing margin. He was establishing this rhythm that included rest and replenishment. And he was doing that for us. See, that's the thing. God completed his work in six days. The problem with us is we don't. There is always something more to be done. There's always a project left undone. There's always something where we feel like we've got to take care of. And that's why we squeeze out the margin because we're just trying to do one more thing, which goes back to a phrase that we did together last week. There is a God and it is not me. See, God didn't need the rest, but we do. And so he established that in the rhythm of his creation. There will always be something more for you to do. There will always be something more for me to do. There will always be another activity, another invitation, another event, another whatever. And we will try and squeeze it all in. And he says, what happens is when you squeeze it all in, you squeeze out rest. And this is so important that we are wired for it. We really are. And that's why life starts to get stressful when you don't have those breaks, when you don't have those times of replenishment. And it's so important to us that God actually made it a commandment. Deuteronomy 5, he said, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. 
remember, you were slaves. Remember, you were, were, past tense, slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought you out of there. Therefore, honor the Lord. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. See, when they were slaves in Egypt, they were told they had to work every day. They had to produce. They had to do what was supposed to be done. If they didn't, they got beat for it, okay? So this is the life for generations. This is the life of all these people. God says, no, we are creating a new society here. And in this society, we're going back to the rhythm that you were created for. And on the Sabbath, you will rest. And it's not just about physical rest. It is about replenishment, replenishing your spirit, replenishing your soul. It's not just about physical rest. It's about emotional rest it's about spiritual rest it's 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 a commandment and really if it comes down to it jesse picked this word for our church for worship i think it goes across the board for us for this year it's about trust see that's what really this whole thing is about margin is about trust it's trusting that i can step back i can take a day of rest and trust that god is going to take care of me I don't have to work every single day of the week. And if you're a high school or a college student and you're cramming, you know, and you're running all your homework up until midnight and all that stuff, I remember those days. I remember projects due and having to finish my project while I'm watching Johnny Carson because he used to be the late night host. Um, you know, and you got the schedule. Listen, if you do not do this now in your life, it will become a pattern for the rest of your life. If you do it now, it will become a pattern. It's a trust that I can stop for a day, and God will take care of the rest. So recognize that rhythm. Um, John Ortberg has written a lot about this. In his book, The Life You Always Wanted, he talks about this pace of life, this thing called hurry syndrome. And he, and he says, you know, so one of the things we need to do, if we're running at that pace of life, one of the, we got to find deliberate ways to slow down the pace of life. And so he made a number of suggestions. Let me read just a few of them. Deliberate ways that you can practice slowing down the pace of your life. Here's a couple of them. He says, over the next month, deliberately drive in the slow lane on the freeway. It may be that not swerving from lane to lane will cause you to arrive five minutes or so later than you usually would. But you will find that you don't get nearly so angry at other drivers. And instead of trying to pass them, say a little prayer as they go by, asking God to bless them. (laughs) Secondly, declare a fast from honking. Put your horn under a vow of silence. (laughs) When you eat, chew. For a week, eat your food slowly. Force yourself to chew at least 15 times before each swallow. For the next month, when you are at the grocery store, look carefully to see which checkout line is the longest, get in it, and then let one person go ahead of you. A lot of groaning on that one. (laughs) Touchy subject. Go through one day without wearing a watch. The list could go on and on, but you get the idea. We must find ways to deliberately choose waiting, ways that will make hurry impossible. As as we practice them, we should tell God that we are trusting him to enable us to accomplish all that we need to get done. So recognizing rhythm means realizing that I'm going to have to live within the constraints and the limits of the rhythm of my life to be healthy. And since I can't do everything, 
to carve out margin, what I'm going to need to do is the next thing, I'm going to need to order my activities by priority. All of the things that I do, I've got to come up with a with priority list for them. This is what um, Solomon wrote, Ecclesiastes 3.11. He said, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Now, let me kind of stop right there. In its time. In other words, knowing what should be done and when it should be done. Beautiful in its time. Okay, that, that's what he's talking about there. He goes on. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Now, would you agree that there are some things that are more important than others? There are some activities, there are some pursuits, there are some events that are more important than others. There are things that are greater value than others. Would you agree that's the case? Okay. You know why you think that way? God put that in you. See, we, we, we read this as a set eternity in the human heart, and we think of this longing for heaven, and that's part of it, but it's not just about by and by, pie in the sky when I die. It's about my life here and now. See, that sense of, of importance and value that sense of longing for meaning and purpose, all of those things, that's a part of eternity planted in the human heart. We know innately that there are some things that are more important. There are some activities that are more important and more valuable than others. It's, it's, it's that sense of eternity. I'll give you an example of it. When our kids were younger, uh, and my son was first learning to ride a bike, and he'd been riding his bike maybe uh, a week or two, but all of a sudden, he, you know, he was kind of one of those brave, daring kind of kids. Um, he decided he knew enough in how to ride a bike that he could go jump off curbs, you know? So he would ride around in our cul-de-sac and, you know, hit the curb and run it up and then jump off the curb. And of course, he wasn't that good at riding his bike, so he would fall and, you know, and crash and burn and the whole thing. And um, there was one Saturday, I, I, it's a distinct memory in my head, and you'll find out why in a moment, um, that I had the garage door open. I was working on a project, some, I can't even remember what it was at the time. You know, I was building something and I had, you know, glued up the edges and I was putting them together and I needed to screw them together before the glue, you know, got all messy and all that thing. And I'm working on this project and I'm bent over and all the thing and I hear crash. And I look up and once again, my son has jumped the curb, you know, splattered, spilled, his feet stuck in the spokes and he's crying and everything. And I'm sitting there with these boards glued. Now, let me ask you, in that moment, in that moment, what is more important? The boards that I have glued together or my son who is laying out in the middle of the street? Which is more important? Sure, take his side. Make me the bad guy. No, no, that's exactly right. I wish at that moment I realized that. In that moment, this is one of those bad parenting moments, I was so frustrated and angry about now I'm going to have to put these boards down. It's all going to get a mess. And he had told him not to be jumping off the curbs because he's not good enough about it. And I went and I started scolding him for doing what... Yeah, I know. Scarred him for life. <laughs> I'm sure... <laughs> He's never talked to me about it, but I'm sure there's deep-seated emotion there somewhere. Um, no, but, but see, in the, that, here, here's a rule of thumb when it comes to, to prioritizing those activities. As a general rule of thumb, people are more important than projects. People are more important than achievement. People are more important than just about anything. So just as a general rule of thumb, because people are of eternal value. See? And that's the thing. We need to realize that. It gives us more of a sense. Moses wrote about it this way. Psalm 90. We often think of the Psalms as being written by David. Not all of them were. This one came from Moses. He said these words. Teach us to number our days 
that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, Lord, teach me that I have just a limited amount of time. Because see, we live our lives as if there's no end to it. But the truth is we have a limited amount of time. Lord, teach me to number my days that I might have a heart of wisdom so I would know to make best use of my time. Because I've only got a little bit of it here. So, so teach me, Lord, to number each day, to pay attention to each one of them, to each moment, so that I might have a heart of wisdom as to how I use that time. There's an account in the life of Jesus. We looked at this last week, how Jesus would often pull back away when the demands of the crowds and the healings and the teachings and all of that would just become, you know, just the time. He scheduled margin. He scheduled breaks. And one of the places that he often went for a break was to the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus was the one that he raised from the dead, his good friend Lazarus. Lazarus. Uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, brother and two sisters, lived in a small town called Bethany, which was a little bit outside the city of, of Jerusalem. And so when he wanted to get away from the big city, from, you know, from all the teaching, they would withdraw to this home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And on one occasion, it's recorded in Luke chapter 10, Jesus had taken that time off, uh, kind of pulled for a retreat for a little bit um, into the home of his good friends. And while they are there, um, they're spending some time together. And Martha, um, her last name was Stuart, I think. Um, anyway, she's... <laughs> She starts making food. You know, she's preparing a meal and she's kind of straightening up the house because Jesus is here and they want to make sure everything looks neat and order. We've got company. We didn't expect him, but here he showed up with all those 12 other guys, you know. So, um, so she's straightening things up. She's making the meal. She's getting a little perturbed because her sister Mary is just kind of sitting out in the living room with Jesus and just kind of hanging out and talking with Jesus and, and you know, just spending some time with Jesus. And Martha's doing all of the work, and she's getting a little perturbed about the whole thing because she's working so hard, and she's, she wants to spend some time with Jesus, but somebody's got to make the meal, and Mary's not helping at all. She gets so frustrated with the whole thing. She goes out, and she says to Jesus, Lord, I'm doing all the work. That's not fair. Tell Mary to come and help me. And here's what Jesus responded. Martha, Martha. Now, it is never good when Jesus has to say your name twice. <laughs> Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Words, you are running at capacity. You got all of these things that you're doing. You're so worried about it. You're so stressed over it. You're so caught up in all of it. You got, you got so much going on in your life, but the truth is there's only a few things that really matter. And then he goes on, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Now, it's not that what Martha was doing was not important. Somebody had to prepare the meal. The problem was in the priority structure, it was the right thing to do. It was just the wrong time to be doing it. Right now, Martha, you need to chill. <laughs> Let's just hang out and talk. We're going to be here all night. We can get to the meal later. But right now, see, Mary knew right now this is the most important thing. And, and, and that's the whole deal. That, that we get so caught up with many things when the truth is only a few things really matter. And at any given moment, really just one. And he says, that's what Mary has chosen. And that's kind of the deal of prioritizing. It's just knowing what is the right thing to be doing at the right moment and giving it your full attention. 
margin really in your schedule is all about being available. Available to God. Available to be with Jesus. And now we're going to get really, really practical and wrap this whole thing up. So you take that idea of rhythm and, and kind of that sense of priority, what really, really matters, and you use rhythm and your priorities to determine your schedule. So you, you reorder your schedule based on this sense of rhythm and what really matters. Again, this is what Solomon wrote, verse 12. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. So the rhythm of your schedule, here's, here's a couple of questions I want to ask you. Where in the rhythm of your schedule have you carved out time for joy, for fun, for happiness, for replenishment, if you will? Your schedule needs to have space for that. That's what he says. He said there's nothing better for people than to be happy. And if you are going, 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 and there's no time for replenishment, there's no time for renewal, there's no time for joy and happiness, your schedule is way out of whack. And it's interesting that he puts that up front. Now, for me, one of the things for me is sailing. Sailing is replenishing for me. It's just there's something about getting out on the water without a motor, just the wind, the sound of the wind and the waves. That just renews me. It replenishes me. That's why winters are so hard for me because it's six months without sailing, and it just drives me crazy. But there's something about that. And, and when during the sailing season, the racing season, every Thursday night without fail, unless I'm on vacation, I'm out there because it replenishes me. Now, that replenishes me. I don't know what replenishes you. For some of you, it might be hiking, camping. You love the outdoors. For some of you, it's the arts, it's music, it's theater. Um, it might be sports, whatever it is. But in your schedule, you need that. And, and again, going back to the idea of Sabbath, not just fun physically or fun emotionally, but also something that replenishes your soul because that's the deepest part of who you are. And that's why our weekend worship services are so important. It's part of, it should be a part of the rhythm of your life. And when you miss this part of your rhythm, it's going to throw you off kilter. And that's why we take our weekend worship services and we fill them with joy and celebration and excitement and laughter. And we, we try to do that because that's all part of what replenishes your soul. So part of your schedule, part of that rhythm needs to have this replenishing cycle to it, okay? The next one is your schedule should have a time for doing good. That's the second thing he says. And to do good while they live. So the question on that one is, where in your schedule are you making a contribution? Where in your schedule are you doing good? It might be in your job. Maybe your job is one of those things that it is, is doing good in this world. Um, it might be not necessarily your job, but it might be your family, um, if you're a stay-at-home mom, what you do and what you pour into those kids, that, that's, that's important. That's valuable stuff, okay? You are making, you are doing good. You are making a contribution. It might be serving. Um, it might be volunteering. It might be somewhere else. But somewhere in your schedule, there needs to be a place in which you are doing good in this world. Okay, that's the second thing that he talks about. And then the third one is your schedule should bring you satisfaction, because that's the third thing he says, and find satisfaction in all their toil. So here's the question is, what are you doing that is truly fulfilling to you? Truly satisfying, that gives you a sense of, this is what I was made to do. 
Now, that's kind of a, kind of a thumbnail sketch. Whatever your schedule looks like. And this isn't about time management. This is just about you know, replenishing your soul. But, but it should have a place for replenishment. It should have a place um, uh, for doing good. And it should have a place um, in which you find satisfaction. So that's simply it. What do you do that replenishes? What do you do that contributes good? And what do you do that's truly satisfying? And then I'm going to make it even simpler for you. And it's simply this. What I would like you to do, this is going to be your homework. This is what you can talk about in your community groups this week. Is just look at your schedule and just say, what is one thing I need to add? Or, or maybe increase. And it might be one of those three. Replenishment or, or doing good or something fulfilling. But here's the other side of it. And this is really, really important. In fact, this is probably going to be the more important one is, what is it in your schedule that you need to stop doing to create that margin? Okay? What is it that you need to stop doing or greatly reduce what you're doing? Because it really, when it comes to the priority list, it's really at the bottom, but it takes so much of your time. And, and just make those two changes. I'm not going to make it a whole big redo your whole schedule. Just those two changes, okay? Then let me leave you with these final words of Solomon. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it. God does this so that people will fear him, so that people will respect him, so that people will honor him, that people will live with the sense of his presence, his awesome presence in their life. Would you bow your heads with me? Your time is your life. And as your time goes, so goes your life. So the questions again, where in your schedule is there time for replenishment that brings you joy? Where in your schedule are you able to do good? And what in your schedule is it that brings you satisfaction? And with that, where do you need to bump it up? And the others, where do you need to just stop it, cut it out? I want to I close us with this prayer of Moses. Lord, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. And if you're here this morning and, and your schedule is just so out of whack and your pace of life is just so crazy and, and, and that's your prayer and I don't know what aspect of your life needs to be you know, changed or what needs to be cut out or whatever, but just if your prayer simply this morning is, Lord, teach me to number my days, to realize this limited amount of time that I have so that I might live with wisdom. Teach me to number my days that I might gain a heart of wisdom. If that is your prayer in any aspect of your schedule this morning, would you, I would like to pray with you as we close. Would you just raise your hand and hold it up so I can pray with you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And maybe you're here today. And for you, it's really a first step of faith. Like I said, this is really all about trust. And, and maybe, and, and it's, we're not particularly been talking about this, but really what it comes down to is God wants you to live in this rest with him. And so much so that he gave his one and only son who lived out this kind of a lifestyle. But then what he did was he went to a cross and took on himself the weight of the world, the weight of our sin, the weight of our failures and our mistakes so that we could live in that freedom. And, and, and maybe you've been living your life pretty much at your own pace, making your own decisions about your own interests, and, and, and it's gotten you off course, or, or it's ended up with failure and mistake and sin and all that stuff. You could take a first step of faith today, and it's just simply, this is just simply admitting, God, my life is out of whack, and I've got enough failure and mistake and sin in my past that I can't go back and undo. Would you 
because of what you did for me on the cross, would you forgive me? Would you give me that new life? I am turning my life over to you. And you've never done that before, but today it's a first step of faith. And there's a lot to it, but just making the decision to head in God's direction, that's what I'm asking about. If today that's a first step of faith for you, I'm going to ask you to do something again. Just raise your hand, hold it up, look up and catch my eyes so I can pray specifically with you and for you as we close. All right. All right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to start with those of you. This is a first step of faith. The prayer is just simply this. Lord, here I am with my faults and my failures, my mistakes, my sin, my way of doing things. And I can't go back and undo it, but I'm willing to admit I've kind of made a mess of things and I need your forgiveness. Would you be, by your grace and what you accomplished on the cross, would you take that weight off of me? Would you relieve me of that sin? Would you forgive me? I am putting my life and my faith and my trust in you. Teach me and show me how to live that life from here on out. In Jesus' name. And for the rest of us, Lord, who have just said, you know, our schedule is so out of whack, our prayer for you today is just simply this. Teach us to number our days so that we might gain a heart of wisdom. In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.